Welcome to the Pioneering Today podcast. This is episode number 131 with me, Melissa K. Norris, your host, where we teach families how to grow, preserve, and cook their own food using old-fashioned skill sets and wisdom to create a natural and self-sufficient home. On today's episode, we are going to be sharing kind of the homesteading tips for beginners. Specifically, nine transition tips from city life to becoming a homesteader. Now, this story is absolute proof that anyone can learn the skills to become self-sufficient and be a modern homesteader no matter where you live or where you're starting from. Even if you consider yourself to be beyond the beginning stages of homesteading, I still think that today's episode is going to be valuable for you and you're going to want to listen to it. The reason is, is it really shows that homesteading is truly a community and how important it is for us to not get caught up in our failures and to make sure that we've got people around us who understand this way of life. They understand why we want to do it because a lot of people don't. A lot of people are like, why on earth do you want to grow all your own food? Why do you want to go through all the work of preserving and canning it when you can just go to the grocery store and buy it? So it's really important as we move into this way of life that you've got people surrounding you that will lift you up and that will encourage you because we all, I don't care how long you have been doing this, myself included, there are times when I get frustrated or you have a failure and you're like, oh my goodness, I don't know if I've got this in me to do this. And usually those, thankfully, are more brief moments, so they don't happen as often. But it's important when we're feeling that way or we're just really tired or certain circumstances happen that are beyond our control in our life, that you've got those people who are going to lift you up, they're going to support you, and they're going to give you encouragement. And before we dive into my interview, because today is an interview, I do want to share something really quick because it is truly time sensitive. Many of you guys have heard me talk on the podcast or in my emails, on social media, doing Facebook Lives about my family's strain of heirloom Tar Heel green pole beans. So this is a strain of green bean that my family has been seed saving for over 100 years, over five generations. And it's not a strain that you are going to find not just the seed in the grocery store, but I've never seen the bean for sale where you could go and purchase it for sale either. And I always get people who are asking me, I want to try some of your seeds because they are, they're amazing. Like to me, they're the best thing ever. They have a unique flavor almost a buttery flavor, which sounds odd to say from a green bean, but it really does. And what's beautiful about these beans are they are a dual purpose bean. What I mean by that is they are a fresh eating green bean when they are on the more immature or the young side. And then that same plant also provides me with shelled beans. So it's a dual purpose bean is that you get regular eating green beans and then you get your shelled dry bean off of it as well as your seed bean. And a lot of your shelled beans, you don't get a very good crop for a fresh eating green bean. You just get the shelled bean off of them. So it's a bit unique in that aspect. Why am I sharing this with you? Because if you want to get your hands on some of these beans right now, the Pioneering Today Academy, which is my membership site, is open for enrollment, but it closes for enrollment. You got two days from at the time of this recording, y'all. Saturday, February 24th, 2018 at 10 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, it closes. 
I should say the academy will be open, but you won't be able to get in. Enrollment is closing. And the offer to get the green bean stands for anybody who joins the academy. You will get sent to you as a special bonus for me, a seed starter packet of these beans. And I have to clarify as long as supplies last. Because I only raised a certain amount of these for our own use. I've only got so many extra. And so it's first come, first serve. So if you want to get in on those, check out more about what's included in the academy, more about the beans and the bonus, go to melissaknorris.com slash PTA. Now, if you're catching this recording later, after that date has passed, I'm still so thrilled that you're listening to the episode. And you can go there and get on an email list for when we open up again so that you'll get an email sent to you. So if you're listening to this now and it's before the 24th or on the 24th, you're going to want to get yourself on over there to check it out before everything's closed and gone away. Okay, let's get to it. Welcome to this edition of the Pioneering Today podcast. I am really excited for today's guest and for a couple of reasons. One, I have known her for a couple of years. And the other reason is she did not start out as a homesteader, but has fully moved into this way of life. And so I'm excited for her to share her story with you guys today because I know a lot of you really want to dive into homesteading, but you don't have a homestead. Some of you are still what I love to call my apartment homesteaders, but it's a dream of yours. And so I want to share how to make your dream a reality. That is what Anna from thehouseandhomestead.com is going to be sharing with us today. So Anna, welcome to the Pioneering Today podcast. Thank you. Anna has actually been doing some guest posts for me on the blog. So some of you may have seen Anna's recipes and some of her articles on there, so you're a little bit familiar with her already. But I didn't actually know her full story, and so I'm really excited for you to share this with me. For a bit of background, Anna, you did not grow up on a homestead or out in the country where you had a vegetable garden and maybe, you know, had some chickens and eggs. So how were you brought up? What was that like? I lived a pretty typical suburban life. I lived just outside of the big city of Vancouver up here in BC in Canada. My mom grew up in the city as well. My grandparents, my grandpa actually did grow up a little bit more rurally, so he did have some kind of gardening knowledge and and when he grew up when he was young he kind of grew up a little bit through the great depression he was too young to kind of remember that but i remember spending time with my great grandma when i was a little girl and she had fully gone through that and they kind of lived rurally out where it would have been kind of dust bowl territory and he had grown up with a little bit of that kind of homesteading knowledge from back in the day and i remember him having a garden on their little plot of land in the suburbs when I was growing up. And so I did do a little bit of gardening with him here and there. I remember him taking me out, you know, before school in the morning and I loved getting my hands dirty and playing with the worms and all that stuff. So I think I've always had been drawn to it a little bit, but other than that, otherwise we lived a pretty typical suburban lifestyle where we got everything from the grocery store and didn't do a lot of growing our own food. Certainly didn't have chickens or anything like that. I never really even considered the fact that I could own chickens. Like that was like farmers, like with big farms, that's what they did. If your job was a farmer, you could do that stuff. But I had never even considered kind of small scale homesteading as a lifestyle option until 
I was at least in my 20s. That is so interesting because it really is true that in just a couple of generations, you know, if each generation isn't teaching this to their kids, and it's not just teaching it to your kids, because obviously as we all become adults, we decide if we're going to do the same things that our parents did or do things differently or, you know, what we want to do with our kids. And so your mom, you know, with your grandpa was raised with doing that. But then, you know, for whatever in life, you know, life, life situations sometimes take us down a different path, but she didn't pursue sue that and so you got exposed to it a little bit from him but just with that kind of one generation gap a lot of the knowledge that he had and then his you know your great-grandparents his parents was lost and so I'm so excited to see this story come full circle and I think that it's a that way especially nowadays we're really moving that way where a lot of people are wanting to get back to that you didn't grow up that way but you did have a little bit of introduction when you were little and I think my other favorite thing about that part of your story is it's the memories of doing things with people that stick with us throughout the rest of our life and have big impact, not a gift that's wrapped up and given to you that's store-bought for the most part. Totally. And I mean, my grandpa and I were very, very close, right? And I mean, I I was young. I don't remember really a lot of the knowledge that was passed on. And I don't even know if, you know, doing a little bit of gardening and that kind of stuff with him, if if the point of that really was to pass on any knowledge or if it was really just to to do something where we were spending time together. But I do have really fond memories of that time. And I was exposed enough to, to that that I realized that I had a natural fondness, a a natural inclination to wanting to get out in the garden and wanting, liking to get dirty. And I certainly wasn't one of those girls that was like, you know, I want to sit inside. I don't want to get my, my hands dirty. Right. So I think that was just enough that later on when I started getting a little bit more exposed to the option of living this lifestyle, I knew that deep in my heart, I already had been drawn to it. I really excited for this part of your story because I find it fascinating. Anna shared with me that it was kind of in your early 20s is when we all kind of have a moment or something that happens or a epiphany, a realization. I think that we want to move deeper into this lifestyle or we're really starting to embrace getting back to raising our own food and that type of thing. Yours is really interesting though because you ended up going to rural West Africa. Now, a lot of us like to think that we're going to be prepared and be able to do things. That's part of our goal, maybe not the primary one. But in a situation where you don't have grocery stores available to us, that you can still grow your own food and cook from scratch items, you know, maybe with a lot out electricity and that type of thing. But you actually went from suburban environment to truly experiencing and living that and you went to West Africa. So tell me a bit about that. Yeah, I was about 21, 22 years old. And I went, I actually did a volunteer experience in West Africa in Senegal. It was just myself and one other girl who we've become really good friends since then. She's in Australia. So unfortunately, we don't get to see each other all the time. But we became quite good friends while we were over there. And we were really like left to our own devices. There was not much certainly the our realities our lifestyle was completely different than what we were used to living back home we kind of had to just figure it out over there and there were certainly not grocery stores like we have here there was you know the marketplace where you could go and buy some meat and vegetables half the time we didn't even know what we were getting (laughs) it was very much i mean certainly not homesteading like we think of homesteading here and having kind of little small scale farms out in the country and that kind of stuff. It was 
African homesteading where there was, you know, have a sacrifice a goat for the family next door and then everybody would gather around and eat this fresh meat from this goat and we'd go to the market and get our veggies and everybody would kind of cook together. And so I, that was really the first time that I was exposed to this hand to mouth kind of existence, living off the land, living off what was produced right there and whatever we could get and having to kind of come up with tasty dishes and healthy dishes that were going to get us through for the next five months that we were there. We had a little propane burner that we had to cook over. I had never really cooked at all from scratch. I could basically open a can and maybe cook some pasta and sauce at home, but that was it. And so I think without my friend that was there, thankfully she had a little bit more knowledge about this kind of stuff, but I would have been really lost. For the first little while I was eating baguettes, so bread with butter and I don't know if you know, there's this mat, it's called Maggi powder and it's like, like a seasoning almost. And oh. I would spread this on top of it. And that's what I was eating for like the first month. Oh my goodness. <laughs> I think if I had lived off that, I would have come home like sick with scurvy or something. I don't know. Yes. So, but I really didn't know. I had no idea. This was all so brand new to me. Thankfully she took the lead and we'd go to the market and cause I didn't even know. I'm like, well, what is this meat? I don't know how to cook this. I have no idea what these ingredients are. And it scared me. I was intimidated by it. And she was like, it's okay. We're just going to grab all this and we'll just go home and we'll throw it in a big pan and we'll cook it up. And I kind of watched her do this a few times and I'm like, wow. And then it would taste really good. And it was just baffling to me that you could just throw these ingredients together and create this dish from totally from scratch. And so I started practicing there and I started getting interested in cooking with the locals and learning some of their recipes and how they used whatever they had there because it wasn't like they were importing stuff like we do, you know, from other countries. They used whatever they were able to grow there. I don't know why. It just fascinated me that you could produce this amazing food and sustain yourself off, you know, living off of whatever you could produce on the land that you had. I remember looking off our balcony one day and it was, I guess, like, I guess you'd call it clamming season and all the women were out and they had their babies tied to their back and they were digging for clams because that's the mud flats, the tide was low and they were able to get the clams this time. And then for the next, you know, couple of weeks, I remember all the dishes were clams and we ended up making like a seafood vongole and all these things. And it's because that's what there was at that time in this area. And I just thought, oh, that's so cool that you can just go out and just take from what is provided to you right there and you can make these amazing meals. So I thought, well, if you can do this here with not very much, <laughs> certainly I can do this at home. I, you know, I don't need to be living off of like boxed and can, you know, store commercially canned goods. And that was kind of my first introduction to kind of cooking from scratch and cooking with what's in season and what you can get locally at the market. And yeah, then when I got home, that's kind of what I started doing. Not full on, but I started learning a few staple dishes and started just taking more of an interest in, in you know, where my food came from, really started trying to eat a little bit more locally. I wasn't growing any of my own food at the time. I started a little herb garden, but otherwise, you know, but I would try to eat, you know, from whatever was in season at the markets and just started with a few simple dishes. So I would learn how to make like a pizza and a pasta and then use whatever was in season in that. And then from there, my repertoire just kind of grew and grew. I love that for so many reasons. One is that you experienced true community over there because you went over there, like you said, with very, very little skills. Mm -hmm. And so you have a family who 
butchers the goat and they don't just, you know, keep it just for themselves, but they invite people over and you're sharing and people are sharing skill sets. And to me, that's what homesteading is. I mean, I really believe that homesteading is, is a community thing where we share our knowledge and we help out our brother as best as we're able. And so I love that that was it. The other thing that I really like about that is so you went, you know, when we're experiencing this where it was true, you know, in season, what you have really nothing from the grocery store, but some marketplaces, which is still very local. And then you came back to your environment where you're still in the city. And so I think a lot of people would come back and be like, oh man, I'm so glad that's over. Like I'm going right back to all my convenient stuff. But I love that you had that pioneer spirit, so to speak, you know, in you and you, and that was your jump start. And I think so many people were so far removed from our food source in modern society times that we don't even realize that we're missing that connection. And so I love that you you saw that and you acknowledged that that connection was missing and then you came home and it started to lead you down an entire different path. So you got home and your first step was you decided to learn how to cook more from scratch and mm -hmm. in season and local. So yeah. I love that. So, but you were still living in the city at the yeah. time when you came back. Okay. So yeah. talk to me about kind of, and then where you got married, I'm assuming after you come, you came back. Yeah, I actually got married a few years after I came back. So I came back and I'm still living in the city. Like I said, I had a little herb garden. I think I grew, you know, a few tomatoes that year and, you know, started just getting really a lot more interested in, in just being able to, to produce things for myself. So the first step really was cooking. Like that was a, it was so empowering just to know that I could make myself food. Like I didn't have to rely on eating out somebody else cooking the food for me or somebody else kind of preparing this like pre, like, boxed or canned food, I could take, you know, fresh ingredients and create food to sustain myself. And that was kind of, yeah, it was just so empowering. And so then the next step was to kind of grow a little bit of my own. And just, I remember that first herb garden, it was so cool for me to just be able to go outside and just snip some herbs right from my own little, you know, balcony at that time and use that in my cooking. And that really just, it just snowballed from there. So in the meantime, I actually did another trip where I went over to meet my friend that I had met in, in Africa, in Australia, and I did a year over there. And again, it was, you know, I did a lot of kind of living in different places and, and moving around and, you know, but when you're traveling to, and as you know, at early twenties, you don't have a ton of money. So you're certainly not eating out all the time. You kind of have to learn to, you know, do some cooking for yourself and being in you know, a traveling environment where you're staying at hostels with other people and stuff like that, you end up having that same type of community where everybody's like kind of pooling their money and okay, what can we get? And let's make a big dinner together and you're cooking together in the kitchen. And I just always love to just, I like to share my skills and knowledge for sure, but I love to, you know, try to learn something from somebody else all the time. So whether I'm traveling or at home, I just love to kind of soak up whatever knowledge other and skills other people have. So I would learn, you know, new cooking skills from someone else that I was, you know, had met traveling and I would eat a new dish that I'd never tried before. And then, and then I'd, you know, kind of put that in, in the back of my brain and go, okay, I'm going to try that when I get home. Right. And so I did my year in Australia and came back and had already met what would then be my future husband at the time. He came over and, and we came back together and, and then we ended up getting married when we came home, but we still lived in the city at this time. We still lived there for a couple more years. And again, I just started more and more and more like cooking from scratch, cooking, cooking, cooking. And then that led into a lot more food preservation because mm -hmm. as I 
started shopping a lot more locally. And luckily where we did live at this time, we were in the suburbs, but we did live close to kind of some farmland. So I was able to kind of go out to the local farms and, you know, get my, most of my, you know, ingredients from there. And, but then I started getting interested in food preservation because I was thinking, okay, well, I can't get these ingredients all year long. How can I, you know, access these ingredients all year long without having to, you know, resort to buying food from the grocery store and stuff like that. So that's when I started just really basic, like freezing food and, uh, you know, really, really simple stuff, no canning or anything at that time. It was really still intimidating for me, Mm -hmm. but you know, I, I began to kind of gain an interest in that. And then my husband and I started talking more and how, oh, it would be really nice to, you know, maybe be able to grow some of our own food. And well, you know, we'll never be able to do that in the city here. You know, we'll never be able to find enough land where we can, where we can produce kind of enough, the amount of food that we'd like to produce and be able to afford it. And, and then eventually we decided to make the move out of the city to where we are now. And we're on just over an acre now. And we still just have very, just a few, you know, raised garden beds and a little greenhouse. And we're certainly not producing all of our food for the year or anything, but every year we're just learning a little bit more. Every year we're growing a little bit more. And as that goes, we're preserving a little bit more. We're cooking with new ingredients. We've got stuff in our garden right now that, you know, we've got mustard greens and all sorts of things that, you know, we're just trying that's brand new that we've never really used or cooked with before, but it's just always interesting to, yeah, to keep creating. I think just the creative aspect of it has been really fun for me. Yeah. So when you were in your apartment, so the first thing you did, first steps for, you know, people who are the same way, you know, you're in a small, a small area as far as being able to grow and produce a lot of your own food. And so, as you said, kitchen was the basics and that's where you started, Mm -hmm. but then you did have a balcony. So you were able to start an herb garden. And so when you were there at the end of it, or I should say at the peak of what you were able to do there, you had herbs and tomatoes on a balcony that you were able to grow in. I'm assuming large pots and and different size pots. Yeah. Awesome. So we were able to grow a little bit of our own food when we lived, when we'd come back from Australia and lived in our little condo, that one, we had a North facing balcony and it was really tough to grow much on there. So yeah, we had our little herb garden. We didn't actually have tomatoes on, on that balcony, but we did, like I say, live close enough to, you know, a lot of pretty fertile farmland that I was able to to get a lot of my ingredients locally. So I think the point to that is that you don't always have to be able to, you know, be growing a lot of your own food to be doing all of the other things, right? You can still cook locally, you can still source your ingredients locally, and you can still get things in season and do some of the preserving. Like, I think the kitchen is just such a great place to start because everybody has a kitchen right? In some capacity, it may be small, but you know, pretty much everybody has a kitchen. So even if you can't, you feel like you can't grow your own food, you can start there and start with cooking and, and preserving and that kind of stuff. Yeah, I totally agree. In fact, that's, that's always my advice is that's the first place to start because everybody can start there, even if it's a tiny kitchen. So walk me through a little bit, because there's a lot of people I know that their dream is to some days to be able to move to you know, a different house in a different area where they'll be able to do more of their own food production and, you know, to kind of spread out and and do more of what they wanted to. So did you and your husband kind of have a criteria or how did you go about deciding, you know, what, what were kind of like your must have when you were looking at properties and making that transition into an area that had a little bit of acreage or a big yard, you're on one acre, which is, you can do a lot 
let me tell you, you can do a lot on an acre. So kind of walk me through a little bit of that process for, for people who are wanting to make that transition themselves, some, some tips or some criteria that you guys kind of had to do that. Yeah. Well, you know, we, we decided on an area, first of all, right? And we had decided we live on Vancouver Island now, which is beautiful out here. And we live in a place called the Comox Valley. And this area in general is a very fertile area for growing food. Actually, the Comox in First Nations language means the land of plenty. So it's always been a great place for growing food, lots of farms out here. So we had kind of decided on this area because we knew that it was a great area for doing what we wanted to do. We could not afford a, like a property to buy when we were ready to move over here. So we dream shop for sure. And we, you know, certainly made sure we were looking at properties and going, Oh, this would be great. Oh, look what you could do with this property. And we, you know, we made sure that we were on the same page with what we wanted, but we certainly weren't in a position to be choosy about what we got either. Um, and it just so happened that we were able to move into a place. We're still, we're, we don't own the place that we're in now, but we're actually doing work on this house. We're renovating this old farmhouse, which has been quite an experience. And so we're living on kind of borrowed land. We're basically renting. We're doing the work in exchange for our rent, but we're also able, the owners of the place are, you know, fine with us putting gardens in and all that kind of stuff, right? So we were really just lucky with where we ended up. It's not where we'll be permanently, but it's been kind of a great practice property for us. So our main criteria was whereabouts we wanted to be. And then from there, you know, we wanted to make sure that we just were in a place where there was enough space that we could do some of the gardening and the things that we wanted to do. And we, we were very lucky to kind of luck into a property that, that worked out that way. But we know it's not, you know, the end all and be all. We will be, you know, buying our own property at some point and we're still looking at like what we would love to have. And we're learning also as we go being here in this kind of transition property. Okay, what's working here? What do we love? What about it? What would we change if we could? Basically, we get to practice with our gardens here and what, you know, where we want to put things and what works with direction of where the sun comes up and all sorts of stuff. Right. And if we make mistakes here, it's kind of okay because it's just a learning. It's just a learning experience, right? When we buy our kind of forever property, which is the goal, that's the dream. Then we're going to go into it with a lot more knowledge, having been somewhere else where we got to do a few years of practicing first. Right. So again, right, we got a little bit of practice back in the city with doing some stuff in the kitchen and doing a little herb garden and learning a little bit there. We're getting a little bit more practice now being here. I think the whole point again is that you can do a little bit no matter where you are. You don't have to be in the perfect spot, right? You can always yes. do a little bit. And if the end goal is to be somewhere else, that's great. You can continue to work towards that, but that doesn't mean that you need to wait and put your dream on hold. You can do something wherever you're at. And I think that's so important too, because you can do it, like you said, with renting, of course, with the property owners, you know, permission and all of that. But I think that's really important too, is you got to do what you can when you are where you're at. Mm -hmm. And it might not be, so, so many of us put, you know, this dream state somewhere, you know, and then we are like, okay, well, I can't do that now. And so we kind of take that as like a defeat or we're just going to put it on hold instead of making it a work in progress. And so I love that you guys are doing that and you're showing you definitely can do this in transitions, you know, no matter where you're at, you just kind of have to find a way to make it work. So 
you, we first started back in the kitchen and you were just learning to how to cook from scratch and to grow a couple of herbs, which I think is, is amazing. I don't want anybody to feel like, well, that's all I'm doing now. That is, those are amazing steps and we all start somewhere. Mm-hmm. But now, so looking at there, when, where you first started and looking where you're at now. So tell us now, because you do quite a bit homesteading skills and all of that. So tell us a, a little bit about kind of where you're at now, because there's, mm-hmm. there's some, uh, there's quite a few mason jars in your house and not just with food in them. <laughs> no. Yeah. And you know what? It's funny because you say, oh, you do quite a bit. And, and I guess you're right. When I, when I look back at where I've come from, like not doing anything, we do do quite a bit now, but there are, you know, certainly times where I feel a little bit like a fraud. I'm like, you know, am can I really call myself a homesteader? Like I don't have livestock yet and I don't grow all of my food for the year and I don't do this and I don't do that. But I, I do do a lot more than, you know, what I used to do or than most of the people that I know from where I came from. Absolutely. Right. So right now, kind of where we're at is we have kind of a small garden. We do some canning. So I, you know, feeling pretty confident about, you know, water bath canning. And that was my first, my foray into canning there. We've done a little bit of pressure canning that's new for us, but we're going to keep practicing that. We have a dehydrator. So we've started preserving food that way. We do share a yard with our neighbors who are lovely and they actually have a flock of free range chickens. So we get our eggs from them. So even though we don't have our own chickens, we feel like, you know, we'll take care of them if they're away and collect the eggs sometimes. So we're getting a little bit of practice with that. And yeah, and we've got, luckily there were some established fruit trees and stuff already on the property. So, you know, even though we didn't necessarily plant and grow this food, we do the harvesting and like I say, all the preserving and all that kind of stuff. So yeah, we do. And, and, and of course the cooking, right. As we go, like I've just learned to bake bread this year. That's kind of the new thing. So I've started doing, I try not to get too deep because I think what can happen is we get all excited about living this lifestyle and we're like, okay, I'm going to throw everything, you know, out and I'm going to, you know, do everything from scratch. And then it gets really overwhelming because it is time consuming, right? And there's only so many hours in the day. And I think we need to give ourselves grace and realize that we're only human and just take it one step at a time. So I'm trying to kind of do that. And, you know, if there's a day, for example, or a week that's crazy busy and I need to go buy a loaf of bread from the store, (laughs) I try not to get, be too hard on myself about that. But for the most part, I try to do, you know, one thing at a time. Okay, let's stop buying bread and let's bake our own bread now. Okay, let's, you know, stop buying peanut butter from the store and start making our own at home. And same with I do cleaning products and bath products and stuff like that as well. So I used to have an obsession with buying candles. I love candles. And not only did it get really expensive, but I started learning that there were, you know, synthetic fragrances and all these other things that I wanted to keep out of our home and I started making my own candles and now I never buy candles right because I can make a huge batch for pretty cheap all things considered and then I've always got candles on hand so one thing at a time I start I've started to kind of do myself and so we're certainly not where we would love to be at some point but I think we're on the right path and I feel pretty happy with you know over the past few years with how much we've been able to accomplish. Yeah, no, you you guys have done, like I said, isn't that funny? Sometimes we don't see it ourselves until someone else points it out or we 
actually take the time to look back to see how far we've come because you are now you're canning i know you're canning i know you started with water bath doing applesauce and then moved into pressure canning with green beans mm-hmm. dehydrating you're baking your own bread you're making your own candles your own cleaners your own soaps yeah. you are doing quite a bit so that is really exciting i love i love hearing about people's journeys and it's true you know even even myself i think anybody once you get into this lifestyle there is always more to learn like i don't i think we should never reach that pinnacle either where we feel like you know we kind of know it all and there's nothing there's nothing new because how boring would that be like i hope i don't ever reach that point that's part i think of what i just love about this lifestyle is there's always more to learn um there's always more to do and even though that can sometimes feel overwhelming that there's so much and will i ever like all these things like I consider myself a lifelong learner. Like I just, I love to learn new things. I love to learn new skills. I love to be able to create and produce things and be able to kind of sit back and go, wow, I made that. Like, I don't know why it gives me this little adrenaline rush. And so I like that there's always more to learn. I like that there's always new goals to set. And I like knowing that I'll never know it all that there will always be more because that's what keeps it exciting for me so like this year one of the goals well actually it was my goal last year one of the goals is to learn a bit more about foraging i'm going to interrupt this episode really quick to just share with you that on episode number 66 of the pioneering today podcast if you're really interested in learning more about foraging which foraging is great and one of my favorite things i have got five rules for foraging wild edibles, plus a 25 wild edible plant list that goes by the season. So you can see when those that, I hate to say crop because when we're foraging, that's the beauty of it. It's not something that we're planting and then harvesting. Nature just does it for us. So if you want to learn more about foraging, you can do that on episode number 66. And to access that, simply go to melissakaynorris.com, click on that podcast button, and you will see all of the episodes listed by number and title. And that's number 66. I know a little bit, but I'd like to learn how. We've got some great mushrooms out here with chanterelles and morels. And, but it's, Ooh, you know, you're talking my language. I do my favorites. And, <laughs> and so that's something that I've wanted to learn for a while, and I wanted to do it last year, and it just didn't happen. And I think, you know, for a moment there, I got a little bit down on myself. Like, oh, that was a goal this year, and I didn't get to it. But there's always next year, too, right? There's all – and that's just – what I love about this, too, is living with the seasons. Like, okay, so you don't, didn't get something done this year or this season, but – there will always be next season. There's always the promise of, you know, the future that you'll be able to do what you want to do. Just take it one step at a time. So I didn't do the mushrooms, but I did, you know, start baking my own bread. So I try to focus on the positive and be like, you know what, I'm still on the right path. Okay, mushrooms will be this year. So that's the goal is, you know, to learn a bit more about foraging this year. And there's so much more that I want to do, but I'm trying to just go, okay, just let's just do that one thing this year right? And then I'll have that in my little tool belt and then I can move on to the next thing. And with each, you know, new skill, right? It makes kind of the next skill a little bit easier to learn, I find. Yeah, no, I completely agree. You know, and that's how I do it. That's how I do it here. That's always the advice that I give people when they're asking, you know, how do I get into this or how to start? Because that's what they want to do. And it is, it's all those little steps that lead up to a big journey and a big transformation. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you just can't do everything at once, right? So it's just, just start small, right? Like, like I say, I started just cooking, like learning how to, 
you know, make my own pizza crust, whatever it was like something so small. And it just snowballed from there, right? It just baby steps, right? This does, it takes time, but it really is, it's a lifestyle, right? And so I think, I think anybody that's kind of wanting to embark on this journey needs to know that, <laughs> that if it is something that you want to do as a lifestyle thing, it's, it's your whole life, right? This is it's day in and day out. This is, you know, you can just take small steps and don't worry, you don't need to be doing it all at once. You'll get there with just one thing at a time. Yes. Which your story perfectly shows. Like you said, you started out and look at how far you've come and I'm excited to see how much further you go. Thank you for coming on and sharing as well. So Anna is a member of the Pioneering Today Academy, which is really where I got to know her and see all of your progress. And I am just so excited to be a part of your journey and that you're sharing it with others. Do you have any, if you had any last bit of wisdom or advice on any of the things that we talked about, what would you want that to be and to share with the listeners? My major goal with having my little blog and sharing my information with others and everything is just to inspire people to just start, just start today, start small and take it step by step, but start now. Don't wait. Don't put your dreams on hold. Like you said, it is so easy to go, Oh, you know, one day when I have this property out in the country and when we have enough space and when, you know, all these things, the stars perfectly align, then I can start living this life that I want. Don't wait. You can live this life that you want today. Get up right now and start doing it. Start small, start wherever you are. You can, you can do something. There's always something you can do. Just don't put your dreams on hold, no matter where you are. Even if you're in a high rise in the city, you can do something right now. I love that. That is the perfect place to end. Get up and go do it. We will have, guys, links to Anna's blog if you want to check that out and see more about what she's sharing. You can get all of that in the show notes for today's episode, which is episode number 131. And you can go to melissakinoris.com. Just click on that podcast button. You'll find everything written out there for you in the post. So Anna, thank you so much. I have had so much fun getting to know you and more of your story. And now you make me want to travel. <laughs> <laughs> and it's so great. I'm so much more of a homebody now. And I love because, you know, with this lifestyle, like I like being close to home and doing my gardening and doing my cooking and all that stuff, but I still love to travel and I love to just take something back from me every time I go somewhere. So whether it's a new dish or just, just a little bit of, you know, a new way of life and kind of apply that to this kind of new homesteading journey that we're on, I highly recommend, you know, to get out there and just see how other people are living and, and just try something new. Yeah, I completely agree because really all of our all of our stories and all of our homesteads, they're bits and pieces from other places. And so it makes them all unique, but it also makes them shared, which I, I kind of think sounds kind of sappy, but I think it's kind of beautiful. Yeah, it is. Thank you guys so much for listening to this episode with Anna and I. I really enjoyed hearing her story. I hope you did too, and that it's been inspirational for you. So if learning how to do more homesteading stuff and becoming more self-sufficient is something that's on your list, I would love to have you check out the Academy and join, of course. And Anna is in there, so you'll get to see her. And one of my favorite things is Anna and I were chatting later after I had stopped recording, so we didn't get to put it on the episode. But she said this about her experience in the Academy, and so I wanted to share it with you. Anna said she used to waste hours searching online for canning, gardening, and homesteading advice that she could understand and trust. 
She felt overwhelmed and intimidated by all of the conflicting information and questioned whether she had it in her to do this whole homestead thing. And then she found me in the Pioneering Today Academy and all of our wonderful members inside. And she started to regain her confidence and build her homesteading skills one by one. Her she especially loved the home canning with confidence section, which I remember when Anna was going to do her very first run of green beans using the pressure canner for the very first time, which now she has done successfully over and over again. She really wanted to learn how to can, but she was really intimidated by it. But now she puts up hundreds of jars of home canned food every year and has overcome her fear of pressure canning once and for all. I would love to hear that be your success story. We have tons of those from our members within the Academy. So I encourage you, if you are thinking about it, you want to see we have over six different e-courses from growing your own fruits and vegetables, raising livestock, of course, home canning, seed saving, homesteading skills and herbs to build an actual medicine cabinet and traditional kitchen skills. So I encourage you to jump on over and check that out before the doors to enrollment closes this Saturday at mostknorris.com slash PTA for Pioneering Today Academy. And you can find all of the links and all of the resources that we're mentioning on today's episode at mostknorris.com slash 131 for episode number 131. Thank you. I hope you have a fabulous day and I really appreciate you spending your time with me and we'll see you next week back here on the Pioneering Today podcast.